0: Welcome to Compare To Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at comparedtohu.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to Who podcast. My name is Heather Creekmore, and I am so glad that you're listening today. Today, we're gonna talk about something a little controversial. It's only controversial really because it's become so popular in our culture to talk about this concept, and that concept is self-love. So I had an opportunity this summer to work with a group of college students, and this is one of the things that I was able to talk to them about. And it was fascinating to me how many of them being in a college environment, most of them are at big state schools, how just accepted it is to believe the concept of you have to love yourself first before you're able to love others, or you need to love yourself first before you're able to really be respectable and do anything valuable with your life. I mean, it has become so commonly accepted that self-love is one of the basic needs of a human being. And so today what I want to talk about is I want to kind of go through some of these related myths, things that you might have seen in a meme on Pinterest or on Instagram, concepts, little pithy things that we hear and say about self-love. And I want to just talk about what the Bible has to say about these and help us kind of weed out the truth, which I believe, I'll just kind of give you the punchline here. I believe the truth is we don't need more self-love. Now, if you Google body image issues, you're going to find about a zillion different articles on why you need more self-esteem and more self-love, and then you won't have body image issues. Um, and they try to say the same thing about depression and anxiety and all sorts of things, like self-esteem, self-love. It's all the cure in in our culture's eyes for these things. But yet the crazy thing is, is we have more self-esteem and more self-love than we've ever had. Like there's studies out there, friends, that document the amount of of love we have for ourselves according to how people report it, that is. But what they've seen over and over again is the more self-love people have, the more miserable they are in certain ways narcissism is is really self-love taken to the extreme, right? Where you think about yourself before you think about others. And so today we're going to just really flesh out what is self-love? Where did that concept come from? And what do we do about it? How do we handle it? So thank you for listening. I'm so glad you're here and let's dig in. So I found a whole bunch of memes and I'm going to see if I can figure out a way to post them for you in some sort of blog post. You can see these actual images, but I'm just going to read a couple of them for you so you can kind of get an idea of what our culture is saying about self-love. So one I found says self-love will save your soul. Now that's kind of the easy one, right? Like we know if you're a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, you know self-love is not going to save you. But how many people that you're interacting with every day actually believe that self-love is a path to salvation? It's an interesting thing to consider. Here's another one. It says self-love, self-respect, and self-worth. There is a reason why they all start with self. You cannot find them in anyone else. Oh, and it sounds so deep and so introspective that all of the answers are inside of us. But friends, as Christians, we know that all the answers aren't inside of us. The answers are in God's word, in scripture. The only way I can make an argument for all the answers being inside of us is that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. But that's not what this meme's talking about. Here's another one. Self-love heals the deepest wounds. Well, does self-love really heal? Like Jeremiah 17, 14 tells us that, Lord, if you heal me, I will truly be healed. Proverbs 4, 20 and 22 tells us that God's word is healing to our body. Isaiah 53, 5 says that Jesus took our pain bore our suffering. By his wounds, we are healed. Like scripture tells us over and over again that it's Jesus who heals us, not self-love. Now, here's one that's a little bit edgier, but I think it it leads us to an important place. This one says, self-love is the greatest middle finger of all time. Okay, well, now, when you think about the middle finger, what are you really saying to someone, right? It's not a very nice gesture, <laughs> of course, but really, it's it's pride, right? What this meme is really saying is that when you have enough self-love, you're able to say to other people, I don't care about you. Like, I've got it together. Like, I'm good. I am awesome. Wh- whatever words you would use there. But you're basically saying, screw you, right? But I think the Bible tells us something very different about pride, right? All throughout scripture, God tells us that he opposes the proud. Proverbs 8, 13 says, The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate hate. James 4, 6, 1 Peter 5, 5, Philippians 2, 3. Let me read that one for you. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Friend, I think the truth of scripture is that God doesn't want us to be proud. And I think self-love has become kind of a code word for pride right? For considering ourselves not less than others, like James suggests, but considering ourselves better than others. Another one I found on a page called Mr. Self Love, I think it was his Instagram account. This quote said, if they loved themselves, they wouldn't be hurting you. If you loved yourself, you wouldn't even get close to them. But friends, I don't think it's biblical to believe that self-love keeps us from hurting each other. I mean, first of all, Proverbs 13:10 tells us where there is strife, there is pride. So, if there's people hurting each other, if they're living in strife, if they're, you know, if there's division, then it's because of pride. Not not because of lack of self-love, it's because there's too much self-love. We're thinking so much about our own self-desires, our own self-interest that we can't get along with others. Proverbs 21, 24 tells us that scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. In James 3, 14 through 16, we see that jealousy and selfish ambition lead to strife. Proverbs 28, 25, the greedy man stirs up strife. Proverbs thirteen ten. by insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice is wisdom. Insolence means rudeness, disrespect, contempt, all things that go along with having too much self-love, right? And Romans 14, 19 tells us, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Friends, I don't think self-love is, creates peace i think that this meme mr self-love i think you got it way wrong dude if they love themselves they wouldn't be hurting you no it's not true it's probably because they're too narcissistic that they're hurting you let's just look at one more and this one is one that i think we hear a lot too this one was a little meme from a site called less alone and it says this it's been about getting to know myself more being open and accepting of myself and looking to others less for approval. Now, friends, there's part of that that sounds on the surface good, right? Like we don't need the approval of others. But where this message gets confused and muddied up by the message of self-love is we start to believe that we don't need anyone else's approval as long as we approve of ourselves, as long as we accept ourselves. If we're open and looking inside and loving what we find, it's all this mushy mess of self-love will will free us from comparison and friends that's just not true right god doesn't want us to look to others for approval but he wants us to look to him alone and his standards alone i love how in first corinthians 4 3 the apostle paul spells it out like this let me read this scripture for you he says as for me it matters very little how i might be evaluated by you or by any human authority." I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. And what Paul's really saying is that he doesn't care about living up to his own standards. He doesn't care what other people think, if other people approve, but he doesn't even care if he approves. And some of you that struggle with idealism and perfectionism, you can probably relate to this. Like we feel like, okay, I don't really care what anyone else thinks, but I care what I think about me and I'm not living up to my own standards. Well, Paul is kind of crushing everything we say in that regard with this one powerful verse in First Corinthians, where he's saying, you know what, it doesn't even matter what I think of me. What matters is what God thinks of me. And so self-love, friends, it teaches us something different. It teaches to satisfy ourselves, to make ourselves happy, and it teaches us in some ways to praise ourselves, right? But Proverbs 27, 2, another example of where the Bible says, let someone else praise you, not your own lips. Philippians 2, 3 tells us, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count other more significant than yourselves. Friends, over and over in God's word, we read that self-love is not the answer. But then what happens is really fascinating. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Image been bogging you down for too long. It's time to get free, my friend. Go to compare to who.me. Take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to compare to who.me. There's lots of great resources on that site. Articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today right after this episode, of course. So sometimes Christians adopt this belief that self-love is fine because the Bible tells us In Matthew 22, 39, to love your neighbor as yourself. And again, in Ephesians 5, 29, and 33, when Paul is talking about marriage, he mentions that no man ever hated his own body. So what's fascinating is some Christians will use this love your neighbor as yourself Bible verse to justify self-love. They'll make the case that you have to love yourself first. If you don't love yourself first, then you can't love your neighbor. But what's interesting about that is in Matthew 22, the passage that most go to to justify this belief. We can read in verses 36 through 39, again, Matthew 22. Let me read it for you. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then in verse 40, he says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Okay, so if you believe that in there is a hidden commandment that you need to love yourself before you can love your neighbor, so we can all agree, love God first, right? But if you believe that self-love is a hidden commandment before you can love others, then that makes me count three, right? Love God, love self, and then love others. But I believe scripture makes it pretty clear that there's only two commandments. So to come up with a self-love commandment and all that is to make a third commandment and there's just not one there. I think God's really good at math. <laughs> so if he meant for there to be three, he would say that there are three commandments, but there's only two. What's also interesting is there are three other places in scripture where God clearly tells us we need to love others. And he doesn't add that disclaimer that we need to love ourselves. In John 13, 34, God tells us to love one another. In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, he tells us to do everything in love. And then again, in 1 Peter 5, 4, he says, above all, love each other deeply and that love covers a multitude of sins. If so, self-love was necessary to do any of the things that Kirk commanded in those three verses, God would have been kind of setting us up for failure, right? Like why give us the command to love others without first giving us that extra command to love ourselves first? And I think the reason why he doesn't do that is because that's, that's not what scripture teaches. Scripture doesn't teach that we have to love ourselves first. And in fact, go to that Ephesians passage, And if we look at the argument that you can only love others to the extent that you love yourself and apply that to that Ephesians 533 passage where a man must love his wife as much as he loves himself, then we get into all kinds of crazy gray areas, right? Because if A man should only love his wife as much as he loves himself, or if he only can love his wife as much as he loves himself, then what about the man that doesn't really like himself very much, right? What if he has, quote unquote, low self-esteem? Does that give him a right to mistreat his wife? Will God say, oh, well, you loved her just the amount you loved yourself, so it's fine. No, I don't think so. I don't think that man has a free pass to not love his wife well because he never learned how to love himself well. I don't think that's what scripture teaches at all. So why am I going on and on and on about this self-love stuff? friends, because I think it's really important that we understand it. Especially if you're someone who struggled with body image and comparison issues, you've probably heard that self-love will make you free. And I just want to be clear today about the truth that self-love is not the path So when I was a little girl, there was a really popular song called The Greatest Love of All by an incredible artist named Whitney Houston. And I've got to be honest with you, it wasn't until just a couple months ago when I was doing research for something else that I realized what this song actually taught. Like this is the self love theme song. And I, you know, I knew some of the words, but I think I just assumed that this song was like every other pop song where it meant like once you had the love of a man, then you, you know, Know, felt wonderful things. But if you're like me and you're horrible with lyrics, or if you just never really stopped and heard the lyrics of the song, let me just read some of them for you. Okay. This is the part that is most popular if you were raised in the 80s like I was, but I believe that children are a future. I won't sing it for you, trust me. You don't want me to do that. <laughs> but it starts, I believe that children are a future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us how we used to be. Everybody's searching for a hero. People need someone to look up to. I never found anyone who fulfilled my needs. A lonely place to be. And so I learned to depend on me. Now here comes the chorus, and this is where it gets really interesting. I decided long ago never to walk in anyone's shadows. If I fail, if I succeed, at least I'll live as I believe. No matter what they take from me, they can't take away my dignity because the greatest love of all is happening to me. I found the greatest love of all inside of me. The greatest love of all is easy to achieve, learning to love yourself. Is the greatest love of all. Friends, it like startled me when I actually read the words of this song and realized what Whitney was advocating here. She's advocating that our best chance at finding fulfilling love comes from loving ourselves. And as believers and followers of Jesus, we know this isn't true, right? God is the only one who can meet all those needs. And failing and succeeding, according to our definitions, is just, it's a rat race, right? Only when we look to Jesus to define for us what success and failure is according to his kingdom, his standards, that we'll ever feel rest and fulfillment and be able to just rest in his love. Now, that's kind of an older song, but some of you might be fans of a newer musical that came out called The Greatest Showman. I'm a huge fan. And one of the most popular songs from that musical was This Is Me, which again is another type of self-love anthem. And I'm not saying can't listen to this music. I'm not saying Greatest Showman is bad. I love me some Greatest Showman. But what I'm saying is we need to be aware of these messages in our culture that are penetrating our thoughts and our minds every single day telling us that self-love is the answer. Let me just read for you a couple lines from this is me. Here's I'm going to start with run away they say no one will love you as you are but I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us for we are glorious. And then it goes on to say I make no apologies this is me. Another round of bullets hits my skin will fire away cuz today I won't let the shame sink in. We are bursting through the barricades and reaching for the sun. We are warriors. Yeah, that's what we've become. I won't let them break me down to dust. I know there's a place for us, for we are glorious. And then later it says, this is me, and I know that I deserve your love because there's nothing I'm not worthy of. You know, the funny thing with this song, and it's become an anthem for just being who you are and being yourself. And on the surface, there's nothing wrong with that. And if you douse that with a good dose of the gospel, it's actually an awesome message. But without the gospel with Jesus taken out of it, It is a self-love anthem where I just, I'm going to be who I want to be. I'm going to live by my flesh and I don't care what you think of me and I don't care what you say about me because I'm glorious and I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to march the beat of my own drum and uncontained outside of living for Jesus. This is a self-love message that we just need to be aware of. The other thing that I want us to be aware of is where self-love came from, okay? It didn't come from the Bible. Self-love is actually a core teaching of Buddhism. Buddha teaches that you love the self before extending the love to others. Here's a meme I found that quoted Buddha said, you yourself, as much as anybody in the entire universe, deserve your love and affection. Friends, it's a concept from Buddhism that has just subtly penetrated our culture and even to some extent our church circles where we have adopted the belief that self-love is good, important, and even necessary for for our lives and to thrive. And it's just not the truth. Theologian and author T.S. Eliot said this, and I think it's really good in terms of thinking about why we need to know about self-love and where it comes from. His quote is this. The problem of leading a Christian life in a non-Christian society is now very present to us. And as for the Christian who is not conscious of his dilemma, and he is in the majority, he is becoming more and more de-Christianized by all sorts of unconscious pressure. Paganism holds all the most valuable advertising space. Friends, you are seeing messages of self-love. And the reason why I wanted to spend an episode on this is just so you would be equipped and aware with some scripture and some knowledge and some information to see those messages and know God's truth. Know that more self-love is not your answer, but more of Jesus always will be. You know, self-love I read somewhere was called the new gospel, which kind of freaked me out a little bit, but it truly is. It's a different kind of gospel than the one Jesus preaches. Jesus's gospel is that God loved us so much that he made the ultimate sacrifice by sending Jesus to die for our sins. And whereas all other religions preach that we need to do more, do so, certain things in order to reach God. Christianity is the only religion that preaches that it's already done. God loved us so much that he sent Jesus and the work is finished. The work is done. We don't have to love ourselves more. We don't have to do more. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to reach different levels of of goodness. Friends, we just need to rest in what Jesus has already sacrificed for us, read his word and obey what he asks us to do. So just in closing today, in 2 Timothy 3, 2, God tells us, he warns us actually, that in the last days people will be lovers of self. Friends, I think we're seeing that already. In fact, the statistics are pretty amazing. In fact, if you live in the United States, we are number one in narcissism. And they define narcissism as self-centered, self-satisfied, self-indulgent, dominant, aggressive, exhibitionistic, extroverted, individualistic. We value self, what I want, what's good for me over what is good for the whole. In fact, clinically, 0.5% of the population is narcissistic, but apparently one in Every 10 people lacks empathy, which is the number one trait for um, narcissistic. They may have another personality disorder, but, but they have this common trait that they share with narcissists. So let me just leave you with this picture we all want to be filled up, right? Like we all recognize that there's this emptiness inside us. And if you struggle with body image or comparison, a lot of times we want to be filled up. We want to be built up by people saying nice things about us, by what people think of us, by our approval idol is really what it is, but by feeling like people think well of us. So just picture me blowing up a balloon and that balloon kind of symbolizes how empty we feel inside. And so people will pour good words into us you know like wow you're so pretty or you're so good at that you're so talented and we keep blowing (sighs) blow all that air into that balloon and you know eventually maybe if you get enough compliments the balloon pops or what happens more often is we don't tie the balloon right because we just we want more and more and more to come in and someone says something that just completely deflates us right and instead of the all the air that we've blown in there like lasting someone says something mean or maybe even we hear the voice in our head that says something mean the enemy comes in and tells us something mean and it deflates deflates our entire balloon the balloon is empty we no longer our self-esteem had gone up and then it went down and so what self-love preaches is that you don't need to do any of that you just fill your balloon yourself you fill it with the good thoughts you think about yourself and then if someone else tries to pop your balloon you don't let them because you just think so many good thoughts about yourself that you just, you're immune to that. And friends, I just don't, don't believe that's realistic. What I think is a better way to fill our balloons, if you will, is to remember there's a worship song that we sing at our church. I don't know if you've heard it or not, but it goes like this. It's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your breath in our lungs. And to me, you call that song is so beautiful because it reminds me that, that it's only Jesus within me that gives me value and worth. Okay. It's him within me. It's what he did for me. The sacrifice that he made for me that makes me have amazing, amazing value. Right. And so when I think about not trying to fill my balloon, not trying to fill myself with thoughts of, you know, self-love with thoughts of how great I am or with compliments from others about how great I am. When I think about filling myself only with what Jesus says about me, that's when I come up with a worth that is impenetrable right that's when i have a kind of confidence that's unshakable that's when there is nothing you can say to me that will rob me of what i have in jesus right you can say all kinds of things to me that will rob me of what i think about myself or my own self-confidence my own self-esteem but when my identity is built on jesus his words about me and and really what he did for me alone then nothing you can do will take that away from me. My balloon cannot be popped. Thanks for listening today to Compared to Who, the podcast. I hope you'll check out the blog online at compared to who.me, or Check out my book if you haven't read it yet, Compared to Who. It's available on Amazon and anywhere Christian books are sold. And I hope you'll listen again. See you in the next episode. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hardworking pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.